Kevin, don't act like you've always been in a house that's six degrees yeah, warmer than everyone else. AC. I grew up not having AC. <laughs> that was by choice. I'm not saying that you're, I came up in the mud or nothing like that. Beautiful home. I'm not saying we came up in the mud, but my <laughs> parents made some choices. <laughs> you was, removed the AC out of your room. Not, it built character. No, you're you're no no. It is impossible to anticipate where the two monsters which suddenly appeared in the atomic area will attack next. If your power goes out, remain calm. Oh my God. We gone. We gone. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 23, Jordan episode of the First Sit Podcast. On this episode, we have our very good friend, Jeremy Curtola. Jeremy is an employee benefits consultant. He has spent his entire career in employee benefits. The reason that we wanted to bring Jeremy on is to gain a better understanding of the actual common benefits plan that an individual will have. I feel as though I never understand my own benefits plan. I know Dikembe also is interested in how to maximize his benefits, the highlights of what he should know. Jeremy's going to give tips. This is what Jeremy does every day, maximizing plans for his clients so that they're getting the most out of their benefits program. And he's also going to touch on key things, the Affordable Care Act, high knowledge laws that have been put into place that we should know. Jeremy's going to make it sound simple, but he knows the complexities behind it. With that being said, Jer, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me, boys. It's always a pleasure. Uh, being What's down up, here in North Carolina is uh, definitely a change from when I used to see you boys almost every day. So I'm, I'm happy to be on. That work from home life, man. Treating you well. And we're confident we got the audio right for this episode. 100%. We're comp. That's Dikembe's word. If it's so. not, come for Albert. If you I'm listen to this, come the time the episode drops, it is Dikembe's fault. that's who was in charge of the audio. Nope. My boy, Albert. <laughs> Um, Jer, as you know, avid listener, way we first start every episode is what are you sipping on, man? Yeah. So I know that a lot of a lot of guests, prior guests on the show have, you know, offered their different variations of coffee. Um, I am not a coffee drinker, so I have decided to go the route of a healthy drink. Um, and I go with a Gatorade Zero. So I need I like water. Uh, but I need something with a little bit more flavor. So I'm sipping on a Gatorade Zero today. Light blue. Only flavor that bro, ever exists. Why did you even ask? I don't know, bro. When have you ever seen Jer drink anything else but Gatorade Zero? <laughs> Honestly, man, his diet is a staple of alcohol, bro, water, and Gatorade Zero. ever since we were true. at Sumac, I've never seen Jer consume anything but Gatorade Zero. <laughs> zero, guy. I, I can't. I need, I need some flavor. You know, yeah, need a little I'm bit of flavor. Listen, we always talk about making it big, right? Because, you know, we're all about manifesting things here. Jerry, our first big deal, we got to get a Gatorade Zero campaign going with you. Jerry, <laughs> <laughs> sponsored by Gatorade Zero. Bro, 100%. <laughs> get, nobody has consumed more Gatorade Zero than Jerry. Bro, get a, get a lightning bolt out of, like, yes. his chest hair. <laughs> Could you imagine Jerry on a Gatorade commercial? Like a Shazam. Oh, my god, Jeremy version. Oh, my. Shazam. Wow. Mm-hmm. wow, just like crushing the F45 workout. Running through the doors, chest hair and the lightning bolt, crack open, dump Gatorade on his head. Oh, now you're thinking. <laughs> oh yeah, now you're thinking, Bert. You see, this is what we the do. sweater, the sweater, baby. We're uh, low key producing producing journalists, Bert. Uh, this is it. What about you, man? I, you, you got a little concoction going. What do you got going on? Well, the people might uh, remember last episode we were talking about our summer drinks, mm-hmm. and it's been a pretty good week, mm-hmm. you know. So we're we're chilling here in the afternoon. So I'm like, you know what? Let me mix up a little something. So I made my rum punch. What you put in it? Eldorado rum, 15-year-old yes. rum. Great rum. And then 
some punch from the local Jamaican spot, Royals Restaurant. That's what it's all about, man. This is it. <laughs> this I'm so I'm chilling right now. You look like you're chilling. Life is good. You look like you're on an island. You've transported Life. via drink. <laughs> you're in the Caribbean, Dikembe. Yeah, yeah, he's chilling in the Caribbean. I love that so much. That's where you belong, bro. Here we go. That's why you keep your apartment 85 degrees. What you mean, bro? Right, we die in the studio. It's like 100 degrees outside. How strong do you think the AC is in here? No, you got to get it cranking, bro. What you I'm think? To pass like, out. What you think this is? <laughs> where, where you think you at? Bill Gates' house? Okay, mate. Don't act like you've always been in a house that's six degrees yeah, warmer than everyone else. Have AC. I grew up not having AC. That was by choice. I'm not saying that You're, I came up in the mud or nothing like that. Beautiful home. I'm not saying we came up in the mud, but my <laughs> parents made some choices. You was, removed the AC out of your room. Not, it built character. No, you're you're no, no. It built character. That's yes, not true. Did. Your Look parents voluntarily removed Look at me now. Who's the complaining AC. About, who's complaining about the temperature now? Me or you? Me. Exactly. Correct. You know why? Because your parents didn't build that that climate character. No, because they, they love me. I'm gonna talk to Lou about that. I'm <laughs> they love it. I know he listens. I gotta talk to him about that because you'd be complaining about the temperature <clears> too much for me. Kembe. What happens when we go to Guyana? What I'm gonna thrive, bro. I have an island body. I'm built That's for survival. True. I store calories. That's true. That's true. I'm y'all, ready. Y'all gonna That's burn true. Quick, though. They're gonna, gonna they're gonna away. know me. Pack your sunscreen. That's fine. Pack your sunscreen. We gotta stay healthy. What do you want to touch on today, bro? Well, we're talking about staying healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, I like that. You see how that just came up there perfectly? That's Boom. why I asked. First thing though, water cooler talk. Mm-hmm. Everybody's been talking about Shikari and the weed. Mm-hmm. Yes. She got banned. She got kicked out. In 2021, we still doing this. Yeah. So if you don't know what the Kembe's touching on, Shikari Richardson is a U.S. female sprinter in the hundred meter. She's a beast absolute beast she's a lightning bolt and she unfortunately got suspended from this upcoming olympics due to a ping she got dinged for marijuana use on on a drug test and apparently she was smoking in a state that's legal right i have no idea so honestly i didn't look into it i don't know if she was smoking consumption she was yeah she was it was it was it was smoking and it was in a state that it was legal to do so i mean i don't know all the details but i do know that it was a state that was legal for marijuana and for, usage. and for the record it has caused a lot of uproar in the community in the athletic community in the world simply because weed has become a very common thing it is legal in multiple I mean, states it's always been common let's be honest right. people just haven't been honest about but, it but more and more so it's becoming more prevalent like mm-hmm. in the legal world about yeah correct look, look let's play devil's advocate here though i mean it definitely is a is not a good thing that Shikari has no longer the ability to run in the Olympics, but you know, the Olympics do have set rules and there's 200 and some countries who follow those rules. And you know, the fact that she broke one is, is, and I like the way that she handled it, you know, like she owned up to the mistake. She knew she did it and she took the consequences. Like, yes, we can be upset. We can be upset, but also, you know, she broke a rule and now she's paying the price, you know? And like we're saying, I think that's another thing that, or another reason why she's gotten so much support, you know, after all this has happened is one, she's literally carried herself with so much class, even with all the nonsense, you know, that you have to deal with, with because of this. But it's like, okay, what are you going to do? You know, you can continue to try to, you can try to fight it and see how far that goes. Or you can say, okay, you made this decision, you know what happened. And now you, you move forward. Right. And exactly. when you move forward, now you come back and dominate. Oh, what she will do. She will. And, yeah. and like what Jeremy said, I was going to say the exact same thing. At the end of the day, she's obliged to comply to the exact same rule set that every other athlete is. So if they got pinged, they would also be suspended. It wasn't singling out Shikari because of who she is. Now, right. how you feel about the rule is fine. And, her getting buzzed as such a prominent figure mm-hmm. is going to cause change, I would assume. But at the end of the day, like you said, man, she broke the rules. So yeah. it's a bummer, but 
This is it. Yeah. You gotta. You gotta she handled it well, you know. Oh, she. Oh, she absolutely handled it well, and I think the uproar alone from the athletic community is going to cause change or call yep. for change. I think one of the the funniest comments was I, I forget who tweeted it. Someone was like the fact that she ran a ten ten oh eight while or the fact that she does smoke is even yeah, more she was on she was on like a performance diminisher she wasn't on a performance enhancer mm-hmm. like let's be real let's be real now yep well you know maybe they should start testing a little bit more maybe there's something something there yeah, i don't think so don't i don't think, think so? so at all no i think i might run a little bit faster no shot dude you want to test it no let's hit the track this weekend that's fine bring the stopwatch i'll yeah i'll, I'll wear you like think you still shorts. got it Dikembe? I, first off, I know I still got it, Kurt. Let's not get that. <laughs> I can't Bro, remember you, the last time you've ran a sprint. Don't miss what you mean last. Oh, because you weren't at the. Because you missed Dude, the did you, summit did last Did you hear summer. what he was going to say, bro? Last <laughs> summer. Because you missed the <laughs> summit last summer. And a year. Your and boy. An actual year. Your boy, stay ready. His last recollection of you a sprint is a year ago, and that's would, a fact. You would have seen the wheels. <laughs> you would have seen the wheels, all right? Your boy stays ready. Dikembe sprints right. three times a year. And that's the thing. And I'm always good to go. That's true. Because my fight or flight always on. Mm-hmm. But speaking about that, staying ready. You know, I think this this is where we bring in Jer. Yes. Why aren't people staying ready when it comes to their health care, Kurt? Let's get serious here. Yeah. Let's dive in. I think, I think that's a great out. question. Um, just before we start, um, I'll just give a little quick elevator pitch on what I do, just so everyone knows. Um, Albert said, employee benefits consultant. All that really means is I'm the liaison between my clients. So I work with employers, so businesses, um, and I, I help their company provide insurance to their employees. Um, so I work in the, you know, group health space, which means I can handle anything from medical to dental, vision, life, disability. I know the focus of this conversation is going to lend itself more towards medical and staying healthy to Dikembe's question, but um, shameless plug for myself. If you ever need any assistance with your business insurance, reach out to me. I'm happy to help. Yeah, yeah. That's what um, but back to your question, I think that I think that there's a lot of reasons. Uh, Health insurance is very daunting. Um, It's very boring. Um, It it definitely is very confusing. Um, And it's not something that's top of mind for folks who are younger and may be healthier and may have, you know, other priorities when it comes to money, because obviously health insurance does cost money. um, And that is a big deterrent of people utilizing it in the appropriate way. So, I mean, I could, I could go on forever, but to keep it short and sweet, I think that those four or so reasons that I just listed off are the main deterrents or reasons why people don't maximize their healthcare and don't stay ready for it. Like they do with other things in their life. Hmm. Which point do you want to start with Bert? I mean, honestly, I just know that Jeremy's job, <clears throat> from my experience with him in the past, Jeremy and I have done some things together from a career standpoint, and I just know Jeremy is the best at what he does. Kid just understands everything and it takes an in-depth approach and actually cares when mm-hmm. he's speaking to his clients. Mm-hmm. So when you have, Jer, when you have your clients reach out to you, you have the HR reps or maybe you even have direct employees who are a client of your company reach out and they're asking how to optimize their plan. Or if you were talking to me, and you said, Albert, this is what I would recommend right out the gate. How you optimize the plan that you have? What would you say? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, I think the first the first question I would always ask, and this gets into a little bit of mucky waters because I'm not a financial advisor, but 
it does really depend on your financial situation. So whether that whether you're getting benefits on your own because you don't have a job that offers you insurance or whether you're getting insurance through your job because your job offers you benefits, in both scenarios, you're typically going to have a cost. You're going to have to pay something to be insured. Um, and I think that when you're looking at different plan options, a lot of people will default to just picking what's cheapest because they don't think anything's going to happen to them. Um, and they don't think that, you know, any major medical expenses are going to be incurred. But what's really important to consider when you're looking at your plan options or looking at what plans you have the ability to enroll into, you want to consider your health. Uh, you want to look at, you know, chronic conditions that you may have, um, things that things that might happen in the future. Um, if you have a family, you want to consider accidents, right? If you have children and you, you, they're going to soccer games or they're going to football games on the weekends, there's a chance of that accident. So you want to try and the, one of the major theories behind insurance is the fact that insurance is for things that haven't happened yet, right? You're paying a premium for something that hasn't actually occurred. So you want to try and when you're looking at a plan, look at the next 12 months. So from when that plan starts to when that plan ends, what might happen to me in that year? Do I already have a chronic condition like diabetes and I know I'm going to have to utilize a certain type of doctor? Do I have children who play sports like I mentioned? And you know, is there a risk of them getting hurt in those sports? So you wanna try and plan, essentially plan a year in advance for things that may or may not happen. Um, and when you're looking at plans themselves, one of the first things that people see are deductibles, right? The word deductible is probably, you know, familiar to a lot of people who are listening. And everybody knows that one. Yep. Yeah. And so when you do have, you know, those chronic conditions or you do have family members um, that are ill or you do have children, you want to try and look for plans that may not have such a high deductible because then you'll be in a situation where when you do go to the doctor, you have a very high out-of-pocket cost. And it only takes one bad thing to rub someone the wrong way, right? If you go to the doctor's office and you have the first time you're going to the doctor, you end up shelling out $2,000 out of your pocket, it deters you from using that care in the future. Um, because then you're going to be like, oh my God, every time I go back to the doctor, I'm going to have to pay another $2,000 towards my care. Um, so I think deductibles are the first thing you want to look at, looking at a deductible level that works for you. If you are young and healthy, um, it may make sense to pick a higher deductible plan and save on the premium costs because you're a single person, you're 25 years old, you don't have any really you know, obligations from a family standpoint, and you're generally healthy. You go to the gym, um, you're active, um, you eat healthy, uh, those types of things. So it's hard to answer that, that question directly, Albert. I know I've been jumping all over the place because every situation is yeah. different. And I think that's a really good point um, to bring up, but there are different things for each situation that I could always recommend or have people look at when they're evaluating what option makes sense for them. Now, you just brought up the, um, like having a high deductible plan, right? Mm -hmm. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you do have a high deductible plan that's either offered, you know, by your employer that you get through on, on your own, right? Can you also have a health savings account with that? 
yeah, that, that's a great point. I'd, I'd love to talk about that for a couple of minutes. So yeah, because I feel like, um, especially like when I first really like, I remember when I first started working at the bank, right, I had to get my insurance myself because I wasn't able to get um, my parents didn't have insurance for me to get on, right. So I was like, okay, I got to figure something out here. Yep. I figure I think just like you said, I found the cheapest plan. They said, all right, there's something called an HSA that goes with it. How much money do you want to put in there? This is how much you pay monthly for your for your insurance. And I was like, okay, cool. Right. Yep. At the end of the year, I'm sitting in this, with this money in my health savings account. And I'm like, wait, what is this for? That, dude, I think that that is one of the most unknown things that people probably have or sitting there accruing that they should touch base on. And I think it's that's a great question. <clears throat> Jerry, you should touch base on how to also maximize the health savings account if it's an option and like what people are leaving on the table if they're not utilizing. Option, yep, especially mm-hmm. from a tax standpoint. And I know a lot of people want to save on taxes. So. Yeah. So HSAs were introduced um, about 12 or 13 years ago by the IRS as a savings tool for employees um, who were offered a certain type of health plan. So basically, um, in the 90s and the early 2000s, our industry, the health insurance industry, started to realize that costs were increasing at a rate that was five times inflation. So you see inflation is, you know, one or two percent every year, depending, sometimes a little bit higher. Health insurance costs were raising at about nine to 11 percent on an annual basis. So what the IRS did to combat that is they started having the insurance companies started offering plans that had higher deductibles. Right. Because if you have a higher deductible you're going to have lower health insurance premiums because the insurance company is on the hook for less money because you have to pay that deductible out of your pocket first. So when those high deductible health plans started to be introduced into the insurance industry by the Aetna's, the United Healthcare's, the Cigna's of the world, the government stepped in and said, okay, well, let's try and make this a tax advantage, right? We know that it stinks for for an employee to have to join a plan that has this high deductible. So let's give them a tax advantage for joining that type of plan. And so they introduced a health savings account, which in my industry, I mean, this is a very, very loose uh, phrase, but in my industry, we call it the 401k of healthcare. it's a savings account. It is an account that's owned by you. So whether you get insurance on your own or whether you get insurance through your job, if you open a health savings account, that account stays with you forever until you spend all the money in it. And then obviously you can cut up the card just like with any other credit card when the balance is paid down. Um, it has, it's one of the few tax, it's one of the few tax vehicles that have triple tax savings, right? So tax savings number one is that the IRS made it a pre-tax payroll deduction or a pre-tax you know, deferment into that account. So if you open a health savings account, you can put money into it on a pre-tax basis. Second tax savings is actually the um, interest that you gain in a health savings account. So a health savings account does have a uh, interest rate associated with it. It's very similar to a regular savings account. So it's pennies, you know, it's like a quarter of a percent or something like that. Yep. You're not going to get rich off of, you know, saving in a health savings account, but health savings account also have the ability to be invested. 
So once your health savings account has reached a certain balance, whether that balance, it depends on the vendor that you have your health savings account through, but let's just call it $5,000. Once your health savings account reaches a $5,000 balance, you can then take those $5,000 and invest it into certain mutual funds and stocks and bonds and start to get a return on that investment. And there's no taxes on it whatsoever. And that's a very rare for, for an investment vehicle to not charge you taxes. So that money is growing in that health savings account tax-free. And then the third tax savings is that when you disperse the money from the account, as long as you're using it on medical expenses, there's no taxes on the payment of that account either. So it's one of the few tax vehicles that has those triple tax savings. Um, and I think that's a really important point that people do miss when it comes to health savings account. They think it's just another, you know, savings account, or they think it's something that they're going to lose when they leave their job. But a health savings account is an employee owned account that has that triple tax savings, which is a huge benefit to people if you have, you know, the ability to put extra money in that account every paycheck. Yeah, I'm, I'm so happy you brought that up and broke it down like that, because you just talk about being able to just leverage these things that we just look at as extra you know just ice mm -hmm. on the top of the cake you know it's just like well if you really just understand like you said like okay you get five thousand dollars in some of these accounts now what can you do with that if you've already maxed out maybe you have an ira that you set up you know maybe you've already maxed out your contributions for your 401k for that year what other vehicle can you use right um i could be wrong but i think it's like you can put up to like seven thousand dollars into an hsa um per year if you're, yep if you have if you have a family you can Take up to $7,200 every year if you're just enrolled by yourself. So if you're a single person, you can put up to $3,600. Um, and so, that changes every year. So last yeah, year it was like $3,550 and $7,100. This year it's $3,600 and $7,200. Next year it'll yeah. probably be $3,650 and $7,300. So it increases every year. Yeah, because I'm, I'm pretty sure for 2022, they literally said that you can max out your HSA with the $7,000 contribution. Yep. Right. So if you say, OK, 7000 there, you have an IRA that you already have also aside from your employer, put another what, 6000, I think, is the max right now for an individual. And then on top of your 401k and saying if you get an employee match from that, right, that's literally money that's just in there working for you that you yep. don't even have to think about. On yeah, top it, of the other things that you might be working on. Yeah. And like you said, it's just another tax vehicle, right? A lot of high earners will utilize an HSA because they know that they can afford to max out that HSA mm -hmm. every year. And so mm -hmm. it's just another $7,000 in pre-tax income to them yeah. because, you know, when you have a high earner, they're always looking for ways to take away from taxable mm -hmm. income. Yeah. Yeah. When you, <clears throat> when you touched on earlier that, or Dikembe touched on it also, that, that he couldn't hop onto his parents' plan. I feel as though there's multiple individuals out there who are in the same boat where they're either, and I don't, I don't know, I don't want to assume driving for Uber, driving mm -hmm. for Lyft, becoming a realtor, yeah. becoming a self, self-driven personal trainer, yeah. running an online business. You don't have benefits. Yeah, you're self-employed. Typically like you assume. Get, you got to set yourself up. Yeah. So you have to set yourself up. I'm Albert. I run my own business. I have to set myself up. What's the best course of action I should take? Yeah. Uh, it, it definitely varies by state, but the easy answer is just to go to www.healthcare.gov. Um, when, when the Affordable Care Act was introduced back in 2008, uh, they set up 
what we call an insurance marketplace mm -hmm. so that people from every state could go to this website and pick the insurance that they wanted. Now, after the Affordable Care Act was introduced in 2008, which is a federal law, then you had all these different state laws that kind of ticked in after the fact because um, insurance is mandated on a state level, not a federal level. And so over time, you now have different exchanges. So like in Pennsylvania, you might have access to healthcare.gov, or you might actually have access to a state specific exchange for Pennsylvania. But if you were to go to healthcare.gov and you know, tell them what state you live in, it'll tell you what you what your options are in terms of where you can get insurance as an individual. Now, there are certain times you can do that too, right? So for the for the insurance marketplace, for the individual insurance market, you essentially have one time every year to pick benefits. And I believe it's in October or November of every year. And then those benefits become effective on the first of that year that's after that. Um, the only other way that you can get insurance in the middle of the year in theory is if you have something that's called a qualifying life event. So if something happens to you in your life that warrants your benefits needing to be changed. So for example, if you get divorced, if you get married, um, if you have a child, if you lose your job and therefore lose the insurance coverage that you have, if you move to a new part of the country and have access to a new type of coverage, there's all these different events that would qualify you to join insurance. But outside of those events, you really only have that singular opportunity to enroll um, in October or November. So if you are in that bucket of being self-employed or just not having benefits or not having access to your parents' insurance, if you're under the age of 26, um, then, you know, my recommendation is to definitely look on healthcare.gov. They've kind of made that website a landing page for anyone who is looking to sign up for insurance in the individual market. I remember when, speaking of healthcare.gov, I remember when my dad actually became, um, you know, started like working for himself. He, that was the first place I remember sending him to. I was like, go straight there. Cause when I was driving for Uber, I was looking between there and you know, some of their options. And shout out to Uber for whoever's not, listen, anybody who's looking for some side money, a little side hustle, get in your car and start driving. All right. Go out there and make a couple hundred bucks Instacart. a week. Instacart. Instacart, DoorDash, like so much opportunity out there, oh, people. A hundred percent. So much opportunity. So, and there. actually right now, I mean, I've just been, <clears throat> every time I've even gone out to mm -hmm. restaurants, all they complain about is being short staffed. Bro, it's insane. Yep. Uh, one of the kids I actually train with, mm -hmm. he just picked up a bartending job. And he literally has the most shifts on the schedule right yeah. now. He just started. And think about and going back to you know how that like why that relates to the insurance thing for me too is because there's a lot of people who had issues getting benefits before, right, or finding jobs that provided benefits. And now you're at a point where it really is just kind of like it's open season for for those types of positions, right? If you're looking for a job that will provide those types of benefits, right, the type of healthcare you're looking for to pr provide for you, your family, whatever it is, you know, like. It, it's out there. Yes, you just, it exists. You go out there, you know, you talk to your, you talk to the employer in the interview. Hey, what does your your compensation package look like? What does your benefits package look like? Can do you have these things that we kind of just talked about, right? And some of the things that you'll go over um, in a few minutes too. But you just got to ask questions and also be willing to go out there and look for these things too. Yes, uh, and that goes back and, to my point mm -hmm. of of the industry just being monotonous and kind of boring and daunting and and kind of scares people away because. It's, it's hard to even take that jump because there's so much to consider when you're looking at 
signing up for insurance if you don't have any. You know, I say go to healthcare.gov because it sounds easy, but then once you sign up on healthcare.gov, there's so many other things that that go along with that. And how do I utilize the care? What does that care? What does my plan even mean? How much am I going to pay if I go to the doctor? Those types of questions. That's that's why we would come to you, right? So, you know, let's let's stay on the uh, the business uh, owner side, right? Because I feel like that is where it is. It's definitely more complicated on that side. If you show up to your job, you know, the second you probably hit 30, 60 days or whatever, you're probably going to get benefits. Not much yep. more you got to do beyond that other than to pick the package you want to go with. On the business owner side, there's a lot of costs that come with that, right? And just like you're saying, not only do you have to figure out a way to roll out this insurance plan, but where do you find the money for it, right? Yep. Um, how many employees can you bring on before you say like, okay, now these costs are becoming too much. I can't bring on any more employees anymore. How does that hurt my business? Is that yeah. something that you um, hear from a lot of business owners? Absolutely. When I, was in the bank, I mean, I talk about it all the time. A lot of business owners don't get past the point of saying, okay, let me just set up my checking savings account, you know, make sure I can accept payments and send payments out. That's it. As far as everything else, merchant, payroll, all those other like necessary services, insurance, retirement. No, I, I won't worry about that now. Yeah, right? absolutely. I'll worry about that when something happens, just like you said, when it's too late. Yeah. I mean, that's why I have a job. Literally, that's what I do. I work with business owners so that they can effectively roll out a benefits plan once they start growing and scaling to that size where they want to offer it to their employees as a package. Um, So that's literally why I have a job. That's what I do on an annual basis. And, And we look at all of those things that you just touched on. We look at how much as a business owner, how much am I spending annually on myself for insurance and how will that replicate to any new employee that I hire at my company? Will I pay the same amount of ins- per year as I pay for myself or will I pay more or will I pay less? What are, you know, what are the different state laws that are associated with adding new employees in, you know, let's say you're a, a new business and you want to hire someone remotely out of North Carolina, but your business is headquartered in Pennsylvania. Do I have to offer them a different type of insurance because they're in a different state? So um, those are the types of things that I consult with my clients and and business owners with to try and make sure that the benefits package that's being offered is not only cost effective, but also provides value to the employee in more ways than one. So, so I, then I then I have a like a spinoff question. Obviously, you're trying to maximize the plan for the business owner. That's fine. But going back to the individual, what are the the common things that people are like missing that are just that you see are an added benefit? For example, like if if we were to translate it, I don't know to to the insurance world. Typically, in auto insurance, every you have roadside assistance, which is rarely utilized by the individual. If they get to an accident, they get a flat tire roadside assistance will kick in. You call your carrier, they'll help you out. What, from a benefit standpoint, are individuals just missing that they're, that you... That's like what we were talking about before, like the whole preventative care side of of the insurance benefit side. I don't know, chiropractor, masseuse, whatever. What what are common things that people just aren't taking advantage of and they should be because their employer's paying for mm -hmm. it. They're paying for it. And not using it. Yeah, and not, and not using so it. Much. You know, you know Lydia has a way of saying things. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. She was like, if you pay for it, go use it. Of course, of 100%. Yeah. And, and there's definitely, I feel like there's definitely ways to maximize the program. Yeah, so, yes. yeah we got to let the people know. What yes. would you recommend? Yeah, so 
A lot of insurance carriers, uh, and this is a really great question because it's actually something that from a more strategic standpoint that like I work with my clients on to try and get them to better utilize these services, but a lot of health insurance companies. So your four, your four major health insurance companies in the country are Aetna, United Healthcare, Cigna, and then Blue Cross Blue Shield. There are other smaller insurance companies, but those are the big four. Just like you have a big four in accounting, you have the big four when it comes to insurance companies. All of those different insurance companies offer more than just the plan that you pick. So you pick a plan, let's say it has a $1,000 deductible. It has a $20 copay when you go to the primary care doctor. It has a $50 copay when you go to a specialist doctor like a um like a gastroenterologist or an endocrinologist or an orthopedic, any of those types of specialties will have usually a higher copay. You know, you have your, you have your pharmacy coverage included in there for any prescriptions that you have. You have your hospital coverage included in there for any time you, you know, have an accident and end up at the hospital or need surgery. Um, But outside of those core benefits that every plan provides you with, there are at value adds is what the carriers call them, but there's value added benefits that these insurance companies have started to introduce because of, you know, the people essentially, right. They've, they've taken the feedback that they've gotten from employees and from the industry and started to implement these. So one of the big ones is a gym reimbursement. Um, not all carriers include this. So definitely check with your insurance carrier. It's, it's something to Albert's point that is underutilized and may be included in your plan and you have no idea about it, but a lot of insurance companies will pay you to go to the gym. So if you go to, you know, planet fitness and you go X number of times in a year, I'm not sure exactly what the numbers that the carriers have are, but 150 at LA fitness when we were working there it was 150 for blue cross. Yeah. So let's just call it 150. You go to the gym 150 times. All you have to do is send them. And usually your gym to Dikembe's point can print you out a log of every time that you Man, checked into the gym. Those old people used to run in there, Bert. You don't remember that? Dude, come <laughs> in here. Can you sign my thing? Let them know dude, I got not, the. Not even I, sign my thing. How about the people walk, that and, would walk in? Dude, old people, me and Dikembe, for, for the public, on, both worked the desk at LA Fitness. Up. There were so, probably you gonna blow them up like that? Forty? No, thirty percent of the individuals wow. that walked through the front door. Wow. Let's call them boomers. Fitness, no, they weren't boomers. Would no, walk they were in. Older than boomers, it was every. Honestly, it was every. There were a lot of people. True, I saw some people like mid thirties. They would simply walk in, scan their tag, and turn around and walk back out. Be they out. took the drive to the gym, <laughs> scanned their tag, and walked back out yeah. just to get a reimbursement on their insurance plan. Yeah. So that's that something that so I mean, crazy. The, the, People do know about it, but it is underutilized and undervalued. So, you know, it's probably something that's included in your health plan and you don't even know it. But essentially, like I was saying, you go to the gym X number of times, you submit that to the insurance company, they send you a check in the mail for $200, $300, whatever it is. It's not going to cover your annual membership usually, but it's something. I mean, it's free money that the insurance company is telling you that they'll give you if you go to the gym. Um, So that's one of the benefits that's highly underutilized. Another one that's starting to be more utilized, especially since COVID started, is telemedicine, right? Dikembe mentioned earlier, are we going to have to go to doctors in 20 years or 30 years, or are we going to be able to go to the doctor in our you know, comfort of our own living room? Every health insurance company now has a way that you can utilize telemedicine. Telemedicine is an easy way to get prescribed medication for very common conditions. 
Um, usually these doctors, they are doctors, but they cannot prescribe any narcotic medication, but as long as it's, you know, something that's non-narcotic, they can prescribe you. So if you're sitting at home and, you know, you check your temperature and you have a fever and you start throwing up instead of running to the emergency room, or instead of running to an urgent care, you could pick up your phone, download an app, or if you already have the app, you can talk to a doctor live face-to-face -face via FaceTime. They can prescribe you medication, send it to the pharmacy, and you go pick it up 10 minutes later. Um, and that's something that, again, with COVID has seen a huge increase. We've seen a lot, of, mm -hmm. a lot more people starting to utilize telemedicine services. But prior to COVID, telemedicine was a highly underutilized benefit. And, you know, it saves it saves you money because it's usually cheaper to do a telemedicine visit than it is to go see your doctor. But it also saves, and this is, you know, most people probably don't care about this, but I do because I work in the industry, but it <laughs> saves the industry money, right? Because if you're going to your doctor's office, although you only have a $20 copay, what the viewers might not be thinking about is the fact that even though you only pay $20, that provider didn't charge you $20. That provider yeah. probably charged you $250. And the insurance company is having to pay the difference of whatever your copay was and that charge that the provider billed at. So, you know, there's so many things that contribute to the increase in cost of healthcare in the industry, but these programs that insurance companies are starting to implement like gym reimbursements, like telemedicine, um, they're, they're, you know, kind of paving the way or, or helping to mitigate that cost increase for everyone. Yeah. It, I, I'm so happy you brought that up. Right. Because as you look at how these improvements are happening, right. How these advancements might help us as we move forward. Um, I think they're, they're so necessary. And I always sit around and wonder, I'm like, why did it take so long? But, you know, we, we kind of wonder, you know, there's, like you said, there's costs involved, right? There's people who might have special interest in keeping things the way they are. Big pharma. Like exactly, right? <laughs> it's like you keep things the way it is. But um, also in the banking world, right? Like when I was sitting there over through, throughout COVID, you saw how many digital tools they were able to release in a six-month time span. And you ask yourself, and it's like, why didn't we use these things before? Yep. There's no way we just developed these things now. Right. Yep. What was it that kept us, you know, you know, in the status quo for so long? But now the world's in pause and we roll out all these other tools where we're at the point where you don't even have to have as half of the amount of consumers come in the bank anymore. But you're still profitable quarter after quarter after quarter. Yep. Right. So you're still making your money just with a completely different shift in your operations. Yep. Right. And then you talk about how much money you're saving now. Just once again, staying on the banking side, you're not having to pay as many people now to stay in a building, right? So now you can say, okay, if I can get a few more people to work from home or be in a remote position, what does that look like for our cost? I would assume it's probably the same thing for the insurance world, right? If you're yep. not having to pay as many administrative people, you know, to be in the building to just process these things, having to pay for the commercial space to house all of them, right? Um, and just cutting down and getting more efficient by using technology, it's, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just think, crazy yeah. to see where it goes. Just, just think about it very like high level. If you go to a doctor's office, that doctor's office obviously has costs, right? They have a brick and mortar facility. They have nurses they have to hire. They have office admin they have to hire. They have all of these things that they have to pay mm -hmm. for. And that's why they have to charge a certain price when you go see that doctor. With telemedicine, there's none of that. The doctors are just essentially on contract and they 
pick up their phone when they feel like being a telemedicine doctor and they say, okay, I'm ready to go. And then they start picking up patients and there's no overhead there. So back to your point in the banking industry of being remote, it's the same thing. When you use telemedicine, there's no overhead. It's just a a phone to phone interaction that's over in, in a short amount of time, which makes the doctor be able to charge much less for that service because it's only taking them five to 10 minutes a call as opposed to a whole hour when you go in for an appointment. Is it typically more cost effective for the client, though, as well for the individual with the healthcare plan? Like, is it more cost effective than making going to I'm visit? Happy you brought that up too. Because, yeah. I mean, bro, think about it. If you live in inner city, think you. Think about if you live in the inner city and you have a certain job where it's hard for you to even get a day off to go see a doctor. For sure, or whatever. That, just being able to pick up your phone and now see a doctor and get the help you need, if that is more, a game changer. If it's more cost effective. If I mean, just I mean, like Jerry said, not. right? Very. I don't see way how it wouldn't be more cost effective. Just think about transport. We were just talking about Uber. Oh, Some course. people might like, before you got to catch a bus, another bus, take an hour and two hours just to get to your doctor. You can literally pick up your phone and say, okay, I'm here. Right, and FaceTime. If, well, that's, yes. Yep. It, but is it? it is more cost effective then? It is. So, I mean, it's a good question because from the employee standpoint, from like the person who's using the telemedicine, it may not be a different cost. Some health plans, some health plans will require you to pay whatever you normally pay as a copay to your Mm -hmm. primary. So let's say your primary care copay is $20. If you were to go see a doctor, a lot of times the insurance carriers will also say, okay, your telemedicine visit is also going to be a $20 copay. But that being said, 100%. It goes to the other side though, right, Albert? So it's like that actual claim. So like what that doctor submits to the insurance company may only be a hundred versus 250. So in, in the grand scheme of things, it is cheaper, but for the employee who's actually utilizing it, they may be paying the same copay that they're normally paying. Sure, but there's all, and there's gonna be a majority. Now I get what you're saying. It would be intelligent for the employer to yeah. encourage it because it's more cost effective from a lower claim standpoint and yep. will impact their premiums for the following year. But I just wanted to gauge if as an employee, because there's a bunch of people out there who want to be face to face with the doctor. They want to sit in his office and, and talk to him. And that's why, that's why I kind so, of brought up that point too, because I, right, like working in office, you work with a lot of employees who obviously you deal with different health issues, but it was always interesting to sit back and see how long it takes for people to get to a doctor. Oh yeah, forever. Right? And that was the convenience that's, that's factor. The the that's convenience the point for factor. me where it's like, okay, what is the cost for convenience now that mm-hmm. you can literally just sit there? Oh, I don't feel good today. Tomorrow, I'm going to take 30 minutes after work and open up my laptop, pick up my phone and talk to my doctor. Yep. Right. Because I know that my next day off may not be for two or three weeks and only God knows what happens if I don't go and take care of myself. That, right? That's also part of the reason like yeah. why people don't do preventative care. Oh, well, I can't. I don't want to take my only day off to go to a doctor. Right. I don't want to take my only day off to do this. So. Yep. And like we said, if it if it's not urgent, we'll we'll just wait. We'll take you know some Tylenol. We'll drink some water and we'll rest. And then yeah. it becomes urgent, and now you're out of work for weeks, months, disability. Well, I think that's a good track to go down. I mean, the 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 whole idea of the Affordable Care Act in back in 2008 was obviously to control healthcare costs in the country because they were rising at such a crazy rate, mm-hmm. but also a large part of the Affordable Care Act wrote in preventive care services, which I don't even know all of them. There's about like 30 or 40, I think, preventive care services that were written into the law that you can go get at no cost through your insurance carrier. And the idea behind them was let's catch things before they get worse, right? If you're not going for your annual physical every year, 
there's a chance that something could be going wrong in your body and you would have no idea about it. And then 10 years down the line, when you actually go to a doctor because you start to get symptoms or you start to feel some type of way, then that claim is a much larger claim most of the time, right? Because if you would have just gone to your annual physicals, your doctor may have caught it, you may have caught it beforehand and you could have prevented it i.e. preventive care, you could have prevented it from happening in the first place. And so that's a large portion of what the Affordable Care Act tried to do. And what we're seeing now is that there's third-party companies who are just starting in this Mm -hmm. space. Um, So there's companies that you can go to now that offer telemedicine, but it's outside of the health plan, right? So like I said, Aetna and all those companies offer telemedicine as a benefit, but now there's companies who are starting to form their own provider network with their own have doctors. Of, um, have you heard of my jet doc? Yeah, I have. You know, our, our boy, uh, Ricky Rose was talking about that. Was he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our, our boy, our guy. I was, I was, I yeah, was, we, we know everybody. The camera, you, we know everybody. Bert, why are you always shoot manifest? Manifest, Bert. That's our not boy, manifesting. Ricky He's Rose. not our boy. He doesn't know you. He doesn't know me. Until he does. <laughs> one day. How many Dikembe's right. you know out there, right? Zero. So one. Exactly. One, so if you're yeah. the second one, you obviously going to remember me. Right. Ricky I Rose, mean, I'm out you, here. Let you us, do have me. a memorable name. I will give let's you that. Ricky Rose, we're going to invest in JetDoc. But yes, there are companies like my JetDoc that are literally starting for that exact reason. They're trying to get people to look at medicine from a more holistic standpoint and a preventative standpoint, as opposed to just care for the sick, right? This whole idea of Western medicine and prescriptions and, you know, essentially keeping people sick, right? With through, through prescription drugs is now shifting in our world. And we're starting to see companies that are trying to attack it from the, you know, from the onset, like I said, that holistic or that preventive type care. So going to the gym, you know, being active, eating healthy, um, talking to a therapist, if you have, you know, mental health type issues, the, these types of care are becoming way more relevant today. And we're seeing companies pop up all over the place that offer specific programs for those types of things. Yep. Sounds crazy people, but, uh, taking care of yourself before it's too late just might work. (laughs) Sounds crazy. But, um, Jerry, you brought the word, uh, holistic, holistic care, taking care of yourself. Can you tell us a little bit more about, um, what is that you're doing? Yeah, I can. Um, so I actually sit on the board of directors for a nonprofit that's headquartered here, uh, where I live in Wilmington, North Carolina, um, called health possible. Um, and Health Possible was a 501c3 nonprofit that was formed in an effort to try and provide holistic healthcare or holistic medicine to the under uh, to the underserved population. So those that don't have the money to afford that type of care. Um, and really, the idea behind it was, you know, let's say you you have. I'm just going to give you a real life example from, from health possible. One of our members, um, he was an addict. Um, he was an addict and he was vastly overweight and he started, you know, getting a lot of health problems as a result of it. He came to health possible. Um, and instead of going the route of being prescribed a bunch of medication, trying to, you know, fix his, fix his over, you know, his obesity problem by a surgery or some other means, we got him enrolled in a gym membership. We got him um, enrolled in an, an addiction program. 
And today he's lost over, I think it's like, he's lost over a hundred pounds and he run and he ran his first marathon in like, like six months ago, he ran his first marathon. Um, that's like a real life holistic medicine story is what it is. Yeah. Instead of going, you know, the doctor route and trying to go see a doctor to give you a medicine to fix whatever problem you have, just simply giving this person a community of people who are willing to help him. And, you know, obviously the, the nonprofit I work for paid for that gym membership and paid for whatever counseling he needed. But at the end of the day, that holistic route of looking looking inward instead of looking outward for, for help changed his whole life. It turned his whole life around. Um, and he's still, a, you know, he still trains for marathons today. I, I talk with him every so often at, at the board meetings and um, it's, it's been an amazing thing for me to see how preventive medicine is really important. Holistic medicine is really important looking inward and, and making sure you're, 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 you know, calling yourself out and call and, and looking at yourself and saying, this is what I need to fix. What are the different ways I can fix it? As opposed to just let me go to a doctor and tell them and they can tell me how I can fix it. Um, and it's a whole new branch of healthcare that's starting in our industry. And I mean, this is just my opinion because I'm a little bit biased, but in the next 10 or 15 years, I can see alternative medicine giving, giving traditional healthcare a run for its money. Oh, absolutely. Especially with the uptick <clears throat> via social media and the, yeah. the prevalence and, and technology, technology. Yeah, of yeah, course. Thing. Like people are able to see like, oh, knowledge, wait, what are you doing? oh let me, let discussion. me try that, you know, before yeah. I rush in and just do whatever this doctor's recommended, because that's how it used to be, right? Like you take your doctor's recommendation for what it is. Yeah, as you should. With it. Yeah. Or like type two, it, you... type two diabetics is another really good example, right? If you're a type two diabetic that usually, not always, but usually attributes itself to being overweight and eating too much sugar in your diet. Um, instead of, you know, going on insulin, tr maybe try going to, to a gym and utilizing, you know, a gym membership so you can lose some weight or try implementing different water drinking techniques on a daily basis so you can increase your water intake. There are different ways to avoid being a type two diabetic in the future, as opposed to just, again, going to the doctor and getting that insulin, going to the doctor and getting that insulin, going to the doctor and getting that insulin. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's another great point you, you just brought up there. I mean, we could probably go on for another hour about that right there. Oh, and I would sure. love to actually, next time we have Alex on here, we need to talk to her more about inflammation, right? Because yes, or like gut health. said, right. Inflammation, gut health, all these things that end up That's leading into such big, big health issues, right. That people now have to deal with years down the road because inflammation, if you just let it build up and build up and if you're not seeking out what the actual source of it is, oh my gosh, your whole body's just breaking down without you knowing it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Right. And yeah. Yep. Just gotta take care of ourselves. You really before do. We, and that's the thing we, I think that insurance companies missed too, you know? Like when insurance was created a hundred years ago, when health insurance was created a hundred years it, ago. Jeremy, or was it a part of the plan? <laughs> Sorry, that's to, that's to be to. determined. <laughs> but I think that that was missed, right? Everyone everyone took a reactive approach when insurance was created a hundred years ago. They didn't take this alternative holistic approach where it's like, all right, let's look inward first before we start going and, and looking outward. Before we um, obviously end the episode, going through the the content rec segment, is there anything else you wanted to touch on that you felt um, should be known from a benefit standpoint? Or 
Um, no, I think we pretty much covered it. Just, you know, whether you're getting insurance through your employer or whether you're getting insurance on your own, uh, it's a, it's a very important decision that I think is undervalued by people in society. And it's something that, you know, it, can play a large part in, you know, your financial situation and also your health situation. So if you do ever have questions, um, obviously I'm always there to help, but there are resources, right? You can easily go to Google and and do a Google search of of what you're trying to find out about your health plan. Um, And so I would just say, you know, for people to try and take control of their healthcare decisions, because it has more impacts than just going to the doctor and getting care. There is more, there's more to that decision and, you know, taking the time, even if it's one hour to do some research on what type of health plan you have available to you or what type of health plan you currently are on or what type of health plan you might want to be on. um, I think that that's something that's really undervalued in society. So I just wanted to call it out. Dude, that's awesome. I, I appreciate everything you touched on, man. You sounded good. Thank you. Um, Boy, he was dropping some gems out here. He really was. He's he been listening. Here. He was like, you know what? I don't know. I'm going to flex a little bit. He's like, you know, I don't know what we're really going to talk about here. I don't know if people are going to be interested. Mm-hmm. He's dropping bars. <laughs> he really was. Left and right. We'll see. We'll, we'll wait Left for the reviews. Right. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> you might get torn up. A lot of our guests get torn up specifically when Dikembe talks too much. Yo, what's your uh, content wreck of the week? Literally, I get the best reviews. <laughs> what's, your content? Best the best. what's your content wreck of the week, bro? Five stars. Um, So I'm actually reading the book. Okay. Um, Uninvesting. It's not the most interesting book. What's it called? Right? It's it's on investing. Hold on, it gets oh, the title. It's on investing. I thought yeah. you said it's called on investing. Okay. Oh, that that's what I thought too, Albert. On investing. Yeah. See, keep that title. I feel like we could use that in the future for something. Mm-hmm, probably. Uninvesting. There's probably multiple books named on investing. I don't think so. <laughs> okay. I don't think so. Keep that. Keep that though. Okay. But um, yeah, I'm trying to learn more about investing. Right now that I'm out of out of work, you know, out of the day to day job, I have a lot, little bit more free time to explore things that I'm interested in. Flexible time. I think is a good way to put it. Flexible. I can do what I want to do with my time, right? Mm -hmm. So the name of the book is, and people might have heard it, um, The Boglehead's Guide to Investing. It's by a couple people, but I'm listening to it on Audible right now because I'm definitely not going to go through and read this book. It's already 10 hours on Audible to listen to. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But um, yeah, man, because I really want to start understanding more about the ins and outs of the the investment world, right? Like I can sit there and if you tell me, okay, like, let's sit there and you know, like look at this stock, I can tell you about the basic, you know, under, the basic fundamentals about it. But beyond that, you know, I want to understand more about like chart analysis, right? Like knowing when to time, you know, jumping into a stock based on what I'm seeing. The candlesticks. Yeah, you know, the candlesticks, yeah. you know, like all, all, the, all the fun stuff, you know, the Fibonacci sequence, all that good stuff. Um, but this book, it just, and for me, that's, I, I like to be able to listen to these things. And what's it called because, one more time? Uh, the Bogle, the Bogle, no. Boglehead's Guide to Investing, yeah, by uh, yeah John C. Bogle. Um, but when you sit there and listen to it, it really just it, it's a do-it-yourself handbook, you know, on how to get into investing. That's cool. Um, and it tells a little bit about how they all got into it. But um, it's one of those things if you can just sit on, sit down and just passively listen to it, you'll be surprised by how much information you're able to take away because maybe you're not one a person who can sit there and actually read the book and go line by line and actually get this information to stick. But if you can listen. While you're in the kitchen cooking, doing some stuff, doing your laundry, right? T- time will pass by and you'll you'll become very educated. So check it out. I will. What cool. about you, Jer? I got a couple. I wrote down some stuff. My first one on the list is uh, for for any of the any of my friends listening, and also obviously you you two on the line here. Um, I take my finances pretty seriously. 
Um, and I've always, I've always, uh, been the guy who's like looking at their checking account every single day and making sure that, you know, it's reconciled correctly. And what I spent is what's come out of my account and things like that. Um, and I downloaded this app a long time ago. It must've been like three, four years ago. They've made some updates to it since then, but it's called iSpending. So just like iPhone, except iSpending. Um, and, and it's, I've researched a lot of different budgeting apps on, on iPhone. And this one is my favorite because it doesn't um, link to your bank accounts. I know that a lot of people probably think when the app links to your bank account, it's it's better and easier. Um, it. But that actually causes a lot of confusion because they don't categorize things correctly or it's just not in the format you want it to be in or whatever. This iSpending app, um, I think it costs like $2.99, but that's for like unlimited use forever. Um, but this app lets you kind of customize your budget to your liking. Um, you can add income, you can add different expenses, you can create expense categories. Um, and it really is a good way if you're interested in learning or interesting in, interested in starting to take control of your finances. Uh, it's a really good way to do so. Um, so that, that was my app recommendation. I wanted to say Loki as another one of my content recs, but I know Eric said that on a prior podcast, yeah, so I'll skip that one. That man is so good. Um, How many episodes are you in? I think I'm all cut. Did they drop episode uh, today? They oh I, no, okay. yeah, they come out Wednesday. So a new I watched, came out yeah, today. I watched episode five today. It's absolutely incredible for anyone who's watching it. Episode Was five it? is the best so one I'm yet. Two episodes. It's been that. cool. The writing's been cool. The plot's been really cool. Yeah, yeah. two episodes back. And the other one is an Instagram uh, account that I really like. It's related nice. to it's related to fitness. It's kind of related. Well, kind of related to fitness. It's more related to like anatomy and physiology as it relates to fitness it's called move you m-o-v-e and then the letter u mm-hmm. uh it's these two guys and they're awesome they just make and everything his and his and wife yeah wife. she's in yeah. the video yep yeah he's awesome they make things like so fun and interesting except they tell you like all about stretching and moving and how to do movements correctly and they do it with like this really funny commentary and they have like pictures and stuff within the videos and these guys have just really like got me way more interested in stretching and like how to do it the right way and how to um yeah just be a better athlete essentially so you you kind of kind of took one that i was going to use i'm same category as yours move you is awesome i i can um i i can agree with jeremy's recommendation i follow the same page it's phenomenal and they they actually paint on the people's bodies like the yep. actual muscles that are being utilized, which is cool from an imagery standpoint because you don't ever really visualize the muscles and they just like paint them exactly where they are, yep. which which helps paint the picture. Uh, my recommendation is a YouTube channel and it, it's actually all around stretching. The individual's name is Sydney Cummings and she is phenomenal. She does 20 minute videos often and she also posts workout videos. I've never done them. I only do the stretching, but Sydney Cummings, and she posts multiple, multiple stretching videos all about lower back, hips, every body part that you can imagine. And I've never done a video and like done a stretch that I was like, wow, that 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 hurt or, or wow, I didn't like that. She's eye-opening. So yep. it's something I recommend for individuals that are tight and need a guided stretch like I would need. Yep. I'm going to send you this at, okay. since you brought that up, the, the ready state. Okay. I'm going to send you this. I was talking to Otis about this a couple of 
couple months ago. I also downloaded that Brain Games app that you recommended, Albert, on a prior pod, dude. That Brain Ooh, Game left, app is right. so – or, yeah, left, first, right. That thing is yeah. so addicting. I'm on it every single day. Uh, dude, I don't have no idea if it's working. It's probably not. Um, <laughs> I don't care. You, it's fun you, at this point. <laughs> it is fun, especially – I like the memory ones. The memory yeah. ones are, are cool to, to test. Um, it's not working for you. No, not at all. <laughs> With that being said – It's definitely not. Jer, thank you so much. Today was awesome. Listen, man, I'm coming to you. Um, you know, we need some insurance for the business. Mm-hmm. We got That's great. To talk about. We, so, yeah, we got a meeting tomorrow on that. We got that. Yeah, yeah. We got to structure things uh, appropriately. Um, yeah, we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk. And while they talk, thank you everyone for listening. And as always, enjoy the first set.